Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. So what I'm going to do here for the next uh, few minutes, 25 or so, give or take a minute, uh, is I'm going to teach Bible class. And uh, when I preach this way and I teach Bible class, I always remind people that the students at ACU pay a great deal of money for this. So even if you don't like it, it's cheap. All right. You're, don't you enjoy a movie when you go to the matinee and don't have to pay as, as much? Don't you enjoy it more? I know I do. Um Okay, let me start out with question and answer. Uh, how many of you have ever read an Agatha Christie novel? Let me see your hands. Okay, a few of you. Agatha Christie is largely considered the greatest mystery writer of all time, and until the last few years, I had never read an Agatha Christie novel. And I thought, you know, I think I'm going to give those a shot. So I, I read what are supposed to be the five best uh, novels that she wrote in, involving her master detective, Hercule Perrault, who, who makes Sherlock Holmes look like a slacker by comparison. And um, they're, they're quite good, by, by the way. I, I have very distinct memories of each of them. That is, she's not writing the same book over and over and over again. But what I was really interested in is if I really paid attention if I really tried to follow the clues, could I plausibly get the answer right? And the answer to that is you never had a chance. <laughs> There's just absolutely no way. It doesn't matter how close attention you pay. It was like the old Perry Mason things on TV, the ending, you know. There's no way you could have figured it out. There's no way Perry Mason could have figured it out. There's no way Hercule Poirot could have figured it out. Um, which brings me to my point. Um, the first principle in Bible study is to pay attention. Um, and if you carefully pay attention... Unlike the Agatha Christie novels, you actually can figure things out. You don't need an advanced degree. What you need is attentiveness. Just watch. Listen. Uh, which is why uh, when I teach uh, preaching, the first night in my class, we do nothing on preaching. I pick texts. I call a student up. They're thrilled. And I said, we're going to listen to this text together. And we're just going to listen and we're going to ask questions. And we're going to see if a sermon emerges out of this text. That's how sermons should happen. That's how I know the text is telling me what to preach rather than me just deciding. Well, here I am today and I'm going to talk for a few minutes about the book of Revelation. And everybody has notions about the book of Revelation, whether they've ever read it or not. Um, 
And so when my students come into my class, they're always excited about Revelation because they, they've got all sorts of ideas about it. And I say, okay, I want you to write one word. They are supposed to have read the book of Revelation before they come to class, but that's iffy. Um, it, it's possible some of them don't read everything uh, that I assign. That's not the disturbing part. The disturbing part is it really doesn't seem to matter whether they do or not. It, it, you know, they, they, they read so poorly. They read so unattentively. So I ask him, give me one word. Tell me what the book of Revelation is about. And I get all sorts of interesting things, as you can imagine. But I almost never get the right thing. To understand the book of Revelation, you have to understand that the book is about worship. There are more exalted worship scenes in the book of Revelation than anywhere else in the New Testament. It is everywhere, over and over again. Human beings and heavenly creatures and all the earth burst into worship. The whole book is about, of all the things in the world you can worship, what should you worship? Big question in the book of Revelation is, should you worship the emperor or should you worship Jehovah God? And you don't, uh, you don't need an advanced degree for that. All you have to do is pay attention if you're reading through the book of Revelation. The other thing you will immediately notice is Revelation is filled with Old Testament. Uh, that's one of the reasons it's so hard to read. Uh, a lot of it is the book of Daniel, but not all of it is. Uh, somebody said there's something like, I don't know, you know, 600 references to the Old Testament. I haven't bothered to count them, and whoever did needs to get a life. Um, but, but they're everywhere. You know, you, if you look, you, 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 and listen, you hear these echoes of the Hebrew Bible over and over and over again, and you really can't make much sense of Revelation apart from kind of taking a look at some of those texts. And I'm going to do that today. I want to read a Revelation text over against a Hebrew Bible text, and you'll see they're doing remarkably the same things. Uh, you might need a degree for that one. Okay. Um, and finally, what you will notice if you just attend is that the book of Revelation is about lamb power. And you don't need an advanced degree for that one. All you need to do is pay attention. Okay. Just to show you, I'm just making all this up. We're going to read some text together. Um, here's the beginning of chapter 5. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and look inside. 
Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then it happens. The moment in the book of Revelation where everything pivots. Then I saw a lamb. Looking as if it had been slain. Standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He introduces Jesus as a lion of Judah, but immediately dismisses the image and switches to he is the lamb. And guess what? It's lamb the rest of the way. Chapter 6, verse 16. They call to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. Now, there's a funny phrase, the wrath of the lamb. Have you ever read, met a really mad lamb? Chapter 12, verse 11. This famous war in heaven scene. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Or 17, 14. They will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. And then towards the end in chapter 22, verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in his city and his servants will serve him. And uh, by the way, that's not all of them. Lamb power. Lamb power everywhere. It's introduced here in chapters 4 and 5 when there's this majestic worship scene taking place. And the lamb shows up and is able to do something for them that they cannot do for themselves. It's able to open the scroll. Now, I can't exactly prove it, but I can come pretty close. Uh, Chapter 4 and 5 of Revelation is actually a, uh, a a bit of a rework of Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, if you just read Revelation 4 and 5 and then read Isaiah chapter 6, you will see they are remarkably the same. Okay, I'm just going to read a little of Isaiah 6 so you can get the idea. In the year the king Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. 
Sounds exactly like Isaiah, right? Sounds exactly like Revelation, rather. Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth and said, This, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for me? And he said, Here am I, send me. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant. Um. Isaiah 6 and Revelation are about the same thing. Uh, they are, in some sense, about doing hard things. Uh, Isaiah is given the worst task in the history of the Bible, aside from the task given to Jesus. Isaiah is told, I want you to go preach. And Isaiah says, okay, that doesn't sound so bad. What do you want me to preach? You are the most hard-hearted, worthless, beyond salvation group of people I have ever met. That's what I want you to preach. And Isaiah asks a logical question. How long? And God says, until there's nothing left. How's he going to do that? Well, because he has seen the glory of God. And he knows this God is on his side. And then we come to the book of Revelation. And the writer is telling his audience that I want you to stand against the most powerful nation and, in fact, the most powerful power in the history of the world. I want you to refuse to recognize Caesar is God and, in fact, declare the crucified lamb is your salvation. And you're going to get slaughtered for it. How are they going to do this? Because they believe this God who appears high and lifted up is on their side. And through the slaughtered lamb, God is going to redeem the world. Now, my pressing question to you is this. Do you believe in lamb power? Do you believe in a God who declares in Jesus Christ, I would rather die than kill my enemies? Hmm. Do you believe in that God? 
you believe the God who says, I will go as a lamb to the slaughter without voice? And in laying down my life, I will conquer the world. The overwhelming power of the love of God is so strong that people will ask from the mountains to follow them to avoid the wrath of the Lamb. It is so strong that in the middle of the book of Revelation, the lowest point in the book where the righteous witnesses are martyred and their bodies are desecrated, in three days, God raises them up because he will never leave himself without a witness. And where in the glorious high point of the book, Satan is revealed to be a spiteful loser who despite all his pretense can do nothing to stand against the relentless love of God expressed in a slaughtered lamb. Um, it was very hard in the day that Revelation was written to believe in lamb power. Lamb power versus Rome power, that didn't look like a very even match. And it is clear today that it is very difficult for Christians to believe in lamb power. We want power, power, not lamb power. That's not God's way. Um, as we were seeing the setting of these uh, revelation words uh, uh, to the tune that we generally associate with just as I am. Uh, at least those of you who've been going to church forever. Um, I, w- I was thinking about years and years and years ago uh, when I went out on a 40-day silent retreat with these hermits. It's the most formative moment of my adult spiritual life, I'd always wondered what would happen if you went to the desert and gave God your undivided attention for 40 days. And now I know. And it is a romantic idea, but I can assure you that the experience is quite different. What happens when you really get quiet It's all the sin and crud in your life that you've been avoiding by noise and activity comes creeping to the surface. Some of it I knew was there, and some of it I was utterly unaware of. And at a point that I felt utterly crushed, just broken. Because I am a child of the church, a verse of just as I am came to me. A verse we don't sing real often. Just as I am, thy love unknown, really means beyond knowledge, has broken every barrier down. Now to be thine, Yea, thine alone, O Lamb of God, 
I come. And power, as we usually think about power, will never get you there. It is the triumphant lamb that God has declared to be both Lord and Christ through relentless self-giving love, that gracious appearance in Jesus Christ that has the power to break every barrier down. Um, there are some days I believe in lamb power and some days I don't. Some days I believe in it more than others. And um, uh, I return to these passages. Because uh, the author denies lying stuff. What he wants Christians to do is to believe in the Lamb. And I will simply make this observation. Rome is long gone. And the kingdom of heaven remains. Turns out, land power was right all along. Uh, would you stand? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore, world without end. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Make sure to give us a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.